Welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast, where we explore what it means to view your organization, your company, or your community through the lens of agility to create a strategy that works in a rapidly changing world. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama. Today's episode, presented in collaboration with the Strategic Doing Institute, is number 18. What would you have done if at the end of 2019 you'd been able to see into the future and what 2020 was going to bring? Would you have taken a big trip? Planned an impromptu family reunion? Invested in companies that make hand sanitizer and PPE? What about your company or your community? Would you have changed the way you thought about your business or about what your community was going to need the most in the next few years? We'd all love to have a crystal ball, both then and now, as we enter a new phase of the pandemic. But the reality is that other than some public health experts and epidemiologists, almost no one was seriously contemplating what was about to hit us. The advanced signals for that kind of disruption were very weak indeed. Fortunately, other disruptions and trends are much clearer and to more people. And even better, you don't need to be one of the handful of experts with special technical knowledge. It is possible to think about what your company, institution, or community should do to prepare, and there are tools that can help. That's the topic of this episode, a particular discipline called foresight. Today, I'm talking with Doug Barrett, who's a colleague here at the University of North Alabama. Doug is the director of the Center for Innovation and Economic Development and he's taken a deep dive into foresight in the last several years, including participating in a training with one of the leaders in this field at the University of Houston. Our conversation started with my asking him to explain the foresight concept, as well as how he saw it connecting with the lab's work in strategic doing. What foresight is, it sort of grew out of the futurist movement from the 70s. Um, If you're Alvin Toffler wrote the books, the uh, Future shock books, and essentially, when when people hear the term futurist, unfortunately, what they picture are palm readers or um, tea leaf readers. And the the thing about foresight, it is based in science, and so I think the name foresight was chosen to sort of replace futurism for that reason. Um, but the general idea, when we think about the future, and people have been thinking about the future for the millennia. Um, the last book of the Bible, Revelations, uh, is all about, uh, you know, future predictions is revealed in dreams to John. We had the oracle at, at Delphi, and uh, every, everybody knows about Edgar Casey and Nostradamus. But they were, you know, these were predictions of very specific futures. When, when we talk about foresight, essentially what we're looking to do is to think about not a future, but many different futures. You know, we want to think about different scenarios and plan for those based on those scenarios, um, you know, to be able to generate a strategy. And you know, when I think of foresight, I, I'm specific. I, I call it strategic foresight because in that way, you're thinking about not only looking toward the future, but, but how to plan for it and how to take action. But essentially, you start by framing and, and move across uh, through scanning, you know, looking for signs of, uh, you know, trends you know, things that could occur in the future, different types of signals, 
Um, then you move in, you know, look at the forecast. That's where you uh, create scenarios based on what you found. And then after that, you move toward, you know, again, eventually taking action on that. And that's where, you know, when I first found out about, about foresight, when Rebecca was talking about it, I felt like foresight could be used in a way to kind of start the, start the process. Because when we start in strategic doing and building the framing question, um, this could be something that could be used to sort of help us set that up. Because the framing question is based on, you know, looking, at, looking to the future, where we want to be, and setting ourselves a path to get there. Strategic doing could be thought of as that action step in the foresight process, which is at the end. And that's what really excited me is how they fit together. And that's sort of what, what Rebecca's done, you know, in her model is sort of putting the two together using using strategic doing as, as the action mechanism at the end. Um, but it, again, I, some of the commonalities there, um, it is based on uh, systems theory, uh, you know, the idea that Typically, what we're dealing with are complex adaptive systems. You have many interacting dimensions, and you know you have to think about those dimensions in terms of building potential scenarios. Now, we know there are, there's an infinite number of potential scenarios, and so what we want to do is kind of pare it down to, to a few of those scenarios. I can boil it down maybe three scenarios. One would be maybe an optimistic scenario. That is, the trends we have right now um, get better. Uh, we could have a pessimistic scenario where the trends we have now, unfortunately, get worse. And then if we continue with the trends we have across our dimensions, then we have the baseline. So you, you could have just three scenarios like that, although you can have more. Um, but when I, when I look at the process, you know, as a planning tool and as, as an action tool, what I think about is we want to build a strategy that takes advantage of an optimistic scenario while being robust uh, to a pessimistic scenario. And instead of just thinking about, you know, what's the likeliest scenario, I, I like to think about the strategy that way, to think about, you know, how it would work across the different scenarios. Typically, if you're, if you're talking about how to use it within a firm, it would be, um, it would be a management group. Usually, usually the executives, because this is your, um, you know, it's a strategic management tool. So you're talking about the, the higher level, the more complex decisions. Um, if you're talking about, you know, but communities can use it, um, you know, you know, with collaborations, not for profits, uh, you know, could use it in that way. But it's definitely best suited for a team, because a, a single person would have a hard time thinking across all of the dimensions, and putting all the pieces together. Um, a lot of times people work with consultants doing it. They don't have to. Usually the, the output, and, and again, it would depend on the client or um, the group, but typically, you know, what you would get, the scenarios would be an output. Uh, there would usually be a strategic plan attached to that and then an action plan. Now, you know, if you use strategic doing, if, if you package that, you wouldn't necessarily have to have the whole strategic plan, but you would have the, you know, the Pathfinder projects and action plans set up out of that. And I can give you an example, you know, suppose you're looking at a university and the university is looking toward the future. Um, if you're looking toward future freshman classes, obviously one important dimension would be uh, the current trend of 18 year olds, that demographic. You know, is that 
increasing? Is that declining? Now nationwide, it tends to be declining. Um, but, you know, in your area, is it increasing? You know, what, uh, you know, you would, you would look at, you know, the political situation. Are there, are there, you know, things on the horizon that, that could have impact there? Uh, you know, student loan issues, things like that. Um, you know, the economy, both in your local area and beyond, you know, so you look at the environment, you know, look at looking at those dimensions, uh, you can craft different combinations of um, across the dimensions. And as I said, you can create many different scenarios. Usually you want to pare it down to no more than four or five. And, um, and then, you know, look across those for some people will look at one of those as sort of the target scenario. You know, like I said, I'm a little, I think about it differently. I think about it more that you're trying to plan and strategize across the different possibilities. Like I said, take advantage of good conditions, but, but uh, you know, be robust to the bad ones. So Doug, I feel like on every one of these podcast episodes, I end up saying somewhere in the middle, well, yes, but we're in really extraordinary times. Tell me how this applies now. And that is clearly the case with something that has to do with looking into the future when uh, you know, it feels like there was a tsunami that hit that we didn't even have any idea was coming. So can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I think, you know, I think with things like what happened this last year, it is extraordinary. And I, I, I mean, I, I guess you could have looked back 100 years ago because sure enough, it, it's almost like every 100 years you get some sort of pandemic. But I, I don't think many people were really had that built into their plans. Um, so, and, and the big lesson there is what, whatever you do, it needs to be um, adaptive. It needs to have the ability to pivot. Um, I think that, you know, we, we looked at some data this year um, in, in Alabama across small businesses. And, you know, we were looking at, at the issue of, you know, who, who best handled the, the pandemic and, and the companies that uh, tended to be more innovative were the ones that did tend to handle it better. But, you know, some of that is that they, they tend to be more agile. They tend to be more, and, and uh, you know, agility, agility needs to be a part of your, your process now. When, when, you, when you look at the foresight process itself, I don't know that that term is thrown out very much, but I, you know, and then again, that's why I think anytime you have one, one tool like that, if you can pair it up with some others, it really, it really strengthens it. And strategic doing definitely adds the agility on the, on the uh, side of implementation. As you talk, I'm wondering, is, is it that uh, firms who are already kind of thinking in a more agile way are the ones who want to adopt this tool? Or is it that uh, firms that adopt this tool all of a sudden realize, oh my gosh, we have to figure out how to be more agile? I think it could be some of both, but I think the first one is more likely. I think when, when you look at some of these tools, the firms that are more likely to adopt those tools are the ones who already think in more in more agile terms. They're, you know, it, sort of, I, I guess, anticipate the unanticipated is, is a, um, a cliche way to put it, but it's just sort of, I, I think the companies that are more 
and, and not just companies, but also municipalities and counties, et cetera, that think in those terms are much more likely to be able to react um, more quickly and more with more efficacy to, to something like this. If you, if you use it in one setting, I think it's, it's easy to see how it transfers to a different setting. And I, I, would, I would think the people who use it in, you know, in a corporate setting, you know, if they're part of community groups and they, they do you know, certain community service, I think they would be likely to look at you know, implementing it there. And then vice versa. If they learn about it through, uh, you know, say, you know, something with a nonprofit or with a community group, I think they could see how it could be applied, you know, also within a company. Because right. every company has to think about the future and has to think about um, how to best prepare and how to how to build the most robust plans and then implement. Um, and of course, the implementation is always, you know, a huge key. We know that. Um, but I but I think yeah, I think it if, if you've ever used it, you can see how it's very portable. Uh, it, I mean, it seems like the the it's a little bit like strategic doing, right? That that it's almost as valuable. What's almost more valuable than the actual tool is that people's mindsets start to change. That's right, and you know, and like strategic doing, there there are the different pieces of foresight, and you can use you know some of those you can use on an ongoing basis in in different different aspects of what you do, and it is as much as anything adopting a different mindset. Which is you know, certainly a huge part of strategic doing. It's a transformative way of thinking. I'm guessing, but I want to check this assumption that uh, when you're um, kind of engaged in a foresight process, you're kind of looking at concentric sort of circles of okay, what's the what are the global signals? Okay, what's happening in the U.S.? Okay, what's happening in our community? To okay, what's happening with businesses like us or whatever? Absolutely, yeah. You you definitely. You, you know, in, in each of these dimensions, you have to think about it, you know, far beyond just your, your area. But yeah, you definitely work your way down there too. How do you figure, I mean, it just seems like you could, you could very quickly become overwhelmed with signals, right? I mean, how do you figure out when you've heard enough or how do you sort of filter out the ones that are extraneous? How do you figure that out? Well, I mean, the scan, scanning is the, uh, you know, is the, if you, if you want to call it a step, I, I hesitate to say it's a step, but, but it, it is a part of the process that ideally is ongoing, you know, pretty much forever. At the beginning, you have to figure out, you know, what's, what's your frame? You know, what time frame are we looking at? You know, if we're talking about the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 15 years, you have to think about what signals are most appropriate. You may well see something and you say, well, that, that could be a really, that could be a really big factor in 10 years. But if you're planning on a five-year horizon, you'd sort of push that to the side. Um, that said, you know, when you go through a scan, you know, you're talking about, you know, several months to get, to get a really good, to get a really good scan. It's not something you do in a week. And when, when we talk about it, that we talk about weak signals and strong signals. The strong signals are things everybody sees. The weak signals are sort of the nuggets. And unfortunately, they're the tougher ones, but they're also the things that 
typically the initial reactions you get to them are people laughing at you like <laughs> that would never happen. You know, when you talk about things like AI, if you talked about that 15 years ago versus today versus probably 10 years from now, um, people are going to give you completely different uh, reactions. You know, but you're, you're looking for those those types of signals. And, you know, again, unfortunately, you don't know until after the fact if you if you've gotten one. Um, but, you know, for that part, you know, three to four months, you know, in a scan, beyond that, you, you just say you have to take what you've gotten. Before we wrap up, could you talk a little bit about what resources you would point people to if they want to dive into this idea of foresight? I know that uh, you've mentioned the University of Houston program, which I think Andy Hines and Peter Bishop are the kind of the, the brains behind that one. Uh, and I know you've also connected with Rebecca Ryan, a consultant who we've also uh, had several conversations with. The, the, group, um, the group out of Houston does a lot of writing. Um, they, they release a lot, of, uh, a lot of articles, white papers. Um, and yeah, they, they do um, videos that you, that you could pull up. Um, see, Annie and Peter have a book uh, teaching about the future. Um, they also have learning about the future, which is, which is more of a handbook um, to use for that. And then, you know, there, there, there are plenty of books on the topic of foresight that, that pull different pieces together. If you're more just trying to figure out if this is something that may or may not be of interest, like I said, I, I would check out videos um, and, and check out, you know, Rebecca's, uh, so March 18th, I guess it's the third Thursday. So, so yeah, I would, uh, definitely check that out. Thanks for listening. As Doug mentioned, we're doing more programming on this topic, starting with an hour long program in March with Rebecca Ryan, a nationally known expert on foresight. If you don't already receive the strategic doing newsletter, you can sign up at strategicdoing.net and you'll receive notifications for that session. If you'd like to learn more about the lab and how we help organizations address complex challenges, visit our website at agilestrategylab.org. You can also email us through the website. Just look for the Contact Us button. See you next time.